Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How is everybody? Let's give the choir an amazing hand for that great worship. You know, it's great to be able to say it. It's well. And no matter what you are experiencing right now, it is well if Jesus is in your life. He's taken away every struggle, every sin, and every obstacle you have faced and will face. And it's knelt to the cross. So even tomorrow, though some of us may not be certain of what lies on tomorrow, we know Jesus has already paid for it. Amen. Amen. If you will, please go to the Lord in prayer with me. Father, we thank you that you're with us and you're for us. We thank you that you love us far more than we could ever realize. So, Father, as we look into your word, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that we would understand what your word has to say to us. And we ask and pray that as we leave this place today, we would be inspired, encouraged, And that, God, as we go out into our family, our home, our workplace this next week, that we would know that it is well and we are ready for what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to welcome everybody. We are continuing our series on Ephesians. Just kind of a little review. Um, The first three chapters talked about who you are in Christ. And then the last three chapters talk about how you're to live that out. So I love how Paul establishes a good foundation of your identity, and then because who you are is what it is, you're able to live it out. Warren Wiersbe summarizes it like this, uh, Ephesians, a good breakdown, is the wealth in Christ, the walk in Christ, and the warfare in Christ. And I'm looking forward to chapter 6, and we talk about the armor of God and um, the different challenges. So this past few weeks, we've been talking about the walk. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about walking in love, and we talked about avoiding cheap imitations of that that the world offers us. Last week, we talked about walking in the light, and today we're going to talk about walking in wisdom. What is it like to walk in wisdom? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Sometimes it's hard to realize um, what wisdom is. So today, we're going to talk about that, and just a little humorous story to get started. Uh, some of you haven't seen my car, but it's a little beat up right now. And um, we had an accident in my driveway. I'm not going to say who ran into it, but um, it's a little beat up. And for some reason, my car has been breaking down lately on me. And um, just so happens this week, my car broke down in front of a pie shop. And uh, some of you think I'm lying and on Facebook, but it's true. I had just finished lunch, and I was getting ready to start my car, and it would not start. So I had a few options. Uh, I called my my nephew, Christian. I said, you know, come rescue me. I'm I'm broken down, and I need to make it back to the office and get some things done. So I had a few options. Either I could sit in the hot car and steam that my car is not starting once again. I'm broken down. I'm wasting time. Or I can make the most of this opportunity. So I decided what better place to be broken down in front of than a pie shop. That serves homemade, fresh-baked pies, piping hot coffee. Um, so I went inside the pie shop. I sat down. And I, I realized maybe God has me in this for a reason. So while I was there, I enjoyed this yummy lemon meringue pie. Is anybody getting hungry yet? All right. I enjoyed that. I had some uh, light roast and dark roast coffee. I decided to try both their coffees while I was there. And dark roast is really good. 
and I, I, I met some people while I was there. There was this couple that came in that just had twins, and so that was cool. And then uh, one of Lori's girlfriends came in and, and talked to her a little bit, too. It was kind of like I was there at a good opportunity. Then Christian came in, and we talked about his life in college. He's preparing for college and got to catch up with him. And sometimes God will allow certain things to happen for a better reason that we just don't understand. At the very least, I had some good pie, right? But... um. So today we're going to talk about how your life, God has you in a certain season right now. And you may not realize that, but he has you in this season for a reason. And some of you simply do not like the season you're in. And we're going to talk about that. And some of you feel like this season's too challenging. Like, when am I going to get to the next season? So today I'm going to try to convince you of three things. The first one is God loves you far more than you could ever realize. The second thing I want to convince you of is his plan for your life far exceeds your own plans. And some of you I know are very big dreamers. You're like Joseph, lofty dreams. But did you know that God's dreams supersede your own? And the third thing I want to convince you of is God wants you to fully embrace the season you're in. It's so easy to want the next thing, the next season. But right now you're in a season that's a divinely packaged opportunity. Whether it seems like a challenging season or it seems like a good season. God has packaged certain things for you to learn. So you guys ready to jump into the Word today? All right. Can I get uh-huh? All right, you guys are awake. Let's jump in. Ephesians 5. It says, See then that you walk cir- circumspectly, or some translations say gingerly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. And verse 8, a passage that your parents probably quoted to you as your teenagers. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now look at the result of being filled with the Spirit. It says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of fear of God. May God bless his word. So if you'll take out your listening guide, we're going to just walk through this text, and we're going to talk about what it's like to walk in wisdom. We've talked about walking in love, that God is love, and he wants us to walk in love. And we talked about walking in light last week. Uh, God is light, and we, we used to be darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. So we should walk as children of light. So what does it mean to walk in wisdom? Well, the first thing is this. The wise carefully consider how they live. Look at verse 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as unwise, but as wise. Not as fools, but as wise. So when, when you think about wisdom, a lot of definitions have been proposed. I'm going to read a few of them. Uh, Doug Larson says, wisdom is the reward you get from a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. And all of us said, ouch. Another person said, a wise man learns from the experience of others. An ordinary man learns by his own experience, but a fool learns by no one's experience. And I think that's true. You don't live long enough to uh, commit enough mistakes to learn from your own. It's better to learn from other people's mistakes than commit your own. So what does it mean to walk circumspectly? It means that you're to carefully consider every step. Because how many of you know life is short and life is important? 
And in my research, one of the best ways I've heard phrase this is to walk circumspectly. It means the accuracy that is the outcome of carefulness. The accuracy that is the outcome of carefulness. In other words, if you consider your life how every day is a gift, how the present is a present, you're to consider each and every day as an opportunity that God is going to work in you and through your life. So consider it. Because if you're not careful, life can go by and you didn't give much thought to your life. The unexamined life should not be the Christian life. The Christian life should be the most examined. But when you do examine your life, realize there's grace. And realize God's love's there. Because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to trip and fall. What what does the Proverbs say? A just person falls how many times? Seven times, but he gets back up. I may fall seven times, but I'm getting back up eight times. I may mess up, but I'm getting back up. And that's wisdom. But wisdom keeps you from not falling in the same places. It's one thing to fall in the pit one time. It's another thing to fall in the same pit again. Make it your goal that I'm going to try to avoid the pit. But if I do fall in that situation, I'm not going to fall in again. I'm going to learn to walk around it. Amen. Anybody ever heard of Carl Benz? Well, Carl Benz, this is back in the 1800s. And he had invented this amazing car. The problem is, in the area where he grew up in Munich, Germany, there were just horse and buggies. So he invented his car named after his daughter, Mercedes. He called it the Mercedes-Benz. The problem is, this car was so loud, it scared the children, it startled the horses, and the neighbors complained about his automobile. So the city council established a rule for non-horse carriage rides... For non-buggy rides, the speed limit is going to be, I think it was three and a half miles per hour in the city and seven miles per hour outside the city. So there's one thing. Mr. Benz decided, I'll never be able to sell cars that the horses go faster than the car. So he decided to use a little perspective. He invited the mayor of Munich to come and have a little city ride to show him how nice his car was. And he also arranged for the milkman to be staggered along a side road. And he gave the milkman this instructions. I'll pay you later, but whenever we pass with the mayor, I want you to take off darting quickly past us. And whenever you pass us, I want you to give kind of the Brooklyn salute. Ha ha, like cheer. We just passed you by. So sure enough, the plan worked. The mayor was enjoying his ride. And all of a sudden, the milkman with his horse and buggy just started darting past the mayor. And the mayor said, come on, Mr. Benz, let's speed up. We can't let the milkman beat us. And he said, I'm sorry, there's this rule that I can't go more than three and a half miles per hour. Well, shortly thereafter, the rule was changed and the rest is history. So Mr. Benz understood something. There's knowledge, knowing how something works and does. But there's wisdom, knowing how to apply it to everyday life. And that's a car story, and a lot of us guys connect with that. But what if you had that perspective with the way you walk? You notice it says circumspectly, meaning be careful about every step. What if every step was carefully placed? And I want you to think it's not like you're OCDing about your daily walk with God, but it's, it's a direction saying, God, I'm going to follow you. If you walk in the light, you're not going to stumble in the darkness. So I want you to think of it not as micromanaging every step, but thinking about it as walking in the light. 
The Apostle John said it like this in 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So think about that. Part of walking circumspectly is walking in the Spirit, is walking in light. Both of those go together. So if we will do that, we will live a life of wisdom. Speaking of which, James 3.17 says it like this. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now, imagine if your life was like that. Imagine, for those of you who are single, if you live that way with, with your friends and those in college and those in the workplace. Imagine those of you who are married, if your spouse was like this. Don't look at them, but if they were pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Wouldn't that make for great relationships? Wouldn't that make for a great marriage? Well, it's laid out right here. In your listening guide, I put some wisdom in the Bible, went through the Proverbs. and won't go uh, very um, slow, but very quickly. But the wise watch what they say. So it's not just what you say, it's how you say and when you say it. The wise listen to advice and accept discipline. Many of us do not like discipline, but wise people love it. Because if you correct me, I'm going to become better. Foolish people hate discipline because if you correct me, you're exposing me. But a wise person listens to discipline. Someone said, ouch, right? The humble stay clear of evil. The wise are good stewards of their possessions. The wise have control over their emotions. In other words, instead of letting your emotions control you, you through the power of the Spirit control your emotions. A wise woman builds up her house and family. But then it says the foolish woman tears it down. So your life is being watched by others. Be careful about how you walk. The key is, is walk in light. If you will walk in light, you will walk with purpose in each and every step. Can I get an uh uh-huh? All right, number two. I'm glad everyone's awake this morning. Number two, how do we walk in wisdom? Number two, the wise make the most of each season of life. Billy Graham, as you know, he's getting well up in his 90s. He was asked, what is your biggest surprise in life? And he said, my biggest surprise in life is the brevity of life, how short it is. And for those of you who were over 60, you'd probably say the same thing. Life flies by so fast. Now, that word redeeming the time, it means make the most of each opportunity, make the most of each season. Now, something I didn't really know, but there's two words, and I'll have the word study on the, the, the screen here. There's two words for time. One word is kairos, and it basically it means a certain opportunity, a season. It means a favorable opportunity that comes at the right time, the right place. So it's no distinct in period of time. It's more circular than linear. Now, um, the other one is chronos, and that means basically the units of time, like minutes, seconds, hours, and so on. Most of us are used to chronos, chronology, time. It goes by so fast. What I love about this is this kairos word, it means redeeming the season. Redeeming the opportunity. For me, that's a lot less pressure than every second, right? If you were to redeem every second, who could really do that? But if you redeem the season, you can do that. Because a season is much longer than a second. So the Bible says that we're to redeem it because the days are what? They're evil. How many of you realize that we're living in evil times now? You just flip on the news 
And you guys heard what happened in London. And every day, every week, we realize the days seem more and more evil. But what Scripture says is in spite of everything, the world is darkness but your light. And if you're to be light, you're to redeem the darkness around you. So let your candle out and shine the light wherever you're at. And God will use that. So a little story, um, and uh, this person's going to rename Anonymous. But you guys heard the story last week about the, the black lady that helped the lady in um, Chicago, got her an apartment and did all that. And one, one good word inspires another good word. Where someone in our congregation, we got a, a phone call from this lady in the community. She's a senior adult, just recovering from, I believe she had a surgery, just kind of gets around a little hard, uh, you know, kind of a shut-in. And one of the members of the congregation helped this lady get her a new washing machine because her washing machine was leaking and uh, shared the love of God with her and her grandson. And that's just it's a picture of what it means to be light. You can't change the whole world, but you can change your world. Right. One person at a time. So let's look at the seasons of life. If you look at your outline, um, some of you are in the first 20 to 25 years of your life. And this is what I call the budding season. This is where things are growing. Can you remember childhood, for those of you who have had kids? Remember how that season just went by so fast? And then you had, you know, young childhood. And then you had um, young preteen and adolescence and young adults. And throughout the whole time, you're growing at a rapid rate. That's the budding season. And I, I came across this article a while back. And my wife and I, every time we read it, she cries and I almost cry. So I'm holding back. But this was written by a mother whose uh, oldest son was turning 15. And I'm going to read this to you, and hopefully uh, we won't be too tear-jerked as I read it. But um, I'm going to read her story quickly. It says, when I was a new mother, I had one experience over and over. Older women would come up to me and look me in the eye, and they would say, it goes by very quickly, every minute of it, sink into it. You'll blink, and they'll be gone, and you'll be alone. Not one or two times, dozens of old women over the baby and toddler years came up to me and said this, complete strangers. They would grasp my arm and look at me intently. They wanted me to hear. They wanted to shake me. They had a warning for me. And I may be a great fool, but by God's grace, I listened to them. And they were right. It goes by quickly. In the blink of an eye, they're taller than you are. And you're left holding on to their outgrown clothes And sorting through their board books. Listen to me. When the day is gone, the day is gone. You aren't getting it back. I'm grabbing you by the arm and looking into your eye. Pay attention to me. Hear me. Take heed. Spend time with your children because they will be gone before you know it. It goes by in a flash. You will forget how they smell and how they're warm when you tuck them in. And you'll forget the way their little hands felt in yours. You will not pass this way again. Do not squander it. Do not waste it. Do not wish it away. You are at the banquet. Take this in. Today is the day you will wish you had back. With all of its dirty dishes and laundry and the trips to the emergency room, you will wish with a knot in your throat and a fire in your chest for this day, and it's gone. What I wish right now I would give to have the worst day of the terrible twos. And we're in there right now. But those babies are long gone. They're gone and they're not coming back. When my sons were babies, I I held treasure in unworthy hands. I didn't know, but these old women knew they were right. 
I may cling to folly, but they told me, and I got it right, and I believed them. My oldest son is 15. I have less than three years left before he vanishes from my home. I have lavished time on him because of what these old women who took me by the arm, nothing else matters. I have gotten that much right, and that is all was required. Wow. Makes you want to tear up reading that, that time. But realize that's a season. But I would correct her words a little bit that one season leads to another. So just because one season ends, it doesn't mean that that's it. And your kids do come back, hopefully, right? Um, so I, lo- I love her words, but th- th- there is positive side to that. So wh- how do you redeem the seasons? We talked about the budding season. The next 20 years of your life is the building season. When you're, you're building your career, you, you, you're finishing school. You're trying to get things going. And then for the next 25 years, from about mid-40s to retirement, you have the blossoming season. Many of you are in this season. You know, your career you're trying to build up, your family, you've got teenagers in the house, you've got um, your, your sons and daughters are going off to college, and you're looking forward to the next season. But what is God doing in this season right now where you're at? It, are, are you capturing it? Are you wishing for the next season? And then you have from retirement to graduation. Um, this is what I call the becoming season. This is when you guys have developed so much wisdom. Um, you've had so much life experience. Um, many of you have had families. And now you've, you're, you're becoming comfortable in your own skin. Um, I joke with some of the staff. I'm the youngest one. Well, one of the youngest besides Adam on the staff. And... Uh, I joke with them, uh, and I said, you know what, it's interesting, when you hit 60, you can say what you want to and get away with it, right? And we all joke about it. I can't get away with it, but I don't know what it is, but it's because you feel comfortable in your own skin. And some of you who are over 60 are laughing because you know what I mean. It's, it's one of those things. But what, what the scripture says is redeeming the time. And notice that kairos, the season, um, you can redeem the season you're in. You may miss a day, you may be off a day. But don't miss a season. If you're with me, say, "Uh uh-huh. Now, I want to read something written by a 14-year-old. And this this definitely makes me tear up when I read it. And I'm going to try to hold it together. But this was written by a 14-year-old. And this is called Present Tense. Did you realize that right now you're in the present now? And tomorrow you're in the present now? It's like right now we're in the present now. And listen to what he says. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth, the blossoming of nature. Let's see if you guys can relate this. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without the physical limitations. My life is over, and I never got what I wanted. That was written by a 14-year-old. Can you believe that? So what Paul would say is, in the season you're in, redeem it. Make the most of every season, because this season is given to you for a reason. It's a divinely packaged opportunity. Colossians 4 or 5, if you want to write this in your notes, Colossians 4 or 5, it says, Live wisely 
among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Number three, how do we walk in wisdom? Number three, the wise live for a greater purpose. God's plan for my life. God's plan for my life. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I read a story about a man that was driving through D.C., and he was trying to pray, what is God's will for my life? So as he was driving, he didn't realize he was running out of gas. And he broke down in front of the, Philist, uh, excuse me, the Philippines embassy. And as he looked at the Philippines embassy, he said, you know what? God's calling me to the mission, be a missionary of the Philippines. And he took that as God's will. I wonder what would happen if, as a single guy, he got caught in an elevator with a girl named Mary. What would he think? I'm going to marry this girl. I mean, it's like... You know, the will of God is something that sometimes we think it's mysterious and mystical. But I want to, as I told you last week, the will of God is more directional than geographical. A lot of times we say, does God want me to have this job or that job? Does God want me to marry this person or that person? If you're married, do I have kids or not? If so, how many? Do I retire at 65 or 70? Um, if, if I do retire, what do I do with my social... I mean, there's so many things... And I want you to notice that God wants you to focus on who you are more than what you do. If you work on the who, God will take care of the what and the when and the where. The will of God is more directional than geographical. So it says, don't be unwise, but understand. Aren't you glad that you can understand what God's will is? Number four, the wise are filled with God instead of cheap substitutes. Do you know for everything good, the devil tries to counterfeit it? For everything good, the devil also tries to get you to abuse it. There's so many good gifts that Satan tries to get you to abuse. If you look at verse 18, it gives us an example. It says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Now, first of all, we've got to be fair, fair to the text. This does not say you cannot drink. Uh, so people can ask that text. It doesn't. But what it does say is don't be drunk. Don't drink too much. Because think about it. In order to be drunk with alcohol, you have to consume a lot, right? And I love how Charles Stanley said, in order to be filled with the Spirit, you have to be filled completely. A lot of times we're just like, allow God to partially fill us, and we think we're going to be okay. But just like someone, have you ever noticed someone drunk, how everything changes about them? Their speech changes? But you know someone who's filled with the Spirit, you notice they talk a little differently too? You ever notice about a drunk person, they stagger and they stammer, but someone who walks in the Spirit walks with a little bit of confidence and God's directing their steps? Most of us think about alcohol and we realize that it's depressant, right? You ever think about the Spirit as a stimulant? He's come to give you life and He quickens you. You see the contrast? So what Paul's saying is instead of filling your life with other things, fill your life with God. And for those of you who are a little Bible nerds in here, like myself, um, the original language is a continual action, and it means to be continually filled. So in other words, a filling is not a one-time act. It's an ongoing process. For those of you scholars out there, realize that there's only one baptism, but there's many fillings. And a lot of people get that confused. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something you seek out. It happens to you when you become a Christian. The moment of salvation, you're baptized. But being filled with the Spirit 
is an ongoing, moment-by-moment, day-by-day process. So if you want to redeem the time, spirit-filled people redeem the time. You ever notice that when God is leading you and you're under the influence of God, you're going to make the most of each season of life. So Proverbs 29, or excuse me, 23, verses 29 through 35, it gives us the comical illustration of what it looks like for those who, instead of filled with God, they're filled with alcohol. It says, who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who's always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns, trying out new drinks. Do not gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations, and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. You will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I could have another drink? It sounds like he was observing someone in a bar, doesn't he? Um, So Solomon would say, you know, don't be led astray. Don't allow any substance or person other than the person of Jesus Christ to lead you. Can I get a uh uh-huh? So number five, what is it like to be wise? The wise experience a much better life than the unwise. I didn't say easier life, but I said better quality. And the thing about it is Jesus said, I've come to give you life in it more abundantly. He didn't promise an easy life. He didn't promise health, wealth, and prosperity in this lifetime, but he did promise a better life. What does that look like? Well, if you notice verse 19, it gives us an example. Someone that is filled with the Spirit, look what happens. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Any of you ever notice, you remember your parents and grandparents, you catch them singing in the kitchen, just like an old hymn, just bust out singing. My mom does that sometimes. And it's like, where does that come from? It's the Spirit. Um, The next verse says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So basically, if you look on your outline, there's a few characteristics of someone who is being led by the Spirit. So if you want to ask yourself, am I Spirit-filled? Well, this will give you a little test. The first one is this, encouraging. Do you encourage one another? A Spirit-filled person is an encouraging person. If you're not encouraging people, you have to ask, am, am I Spirit-filled? Because what happens is, just as person being led astray by alcohol seeks after the things that help themselves, a Spirit-filled person seeks to build up one another and edify one another. That's why it says speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. The second thing is praise. Do you exhibit a joyful heart? Or is complaints the only song that you sing? Some of us need to change your singing from the Johnny Cash prison songs to a song of praise. You know, life is hard, but if you dwell on the hard stuff, it's, it's kind of like they said, a lot of country songs, you know, if you play it backwards, you get your dog back, you get your wife back, you get your house back. Um, maybe we should change the depression into something good. Because think about it, if you focus on the world and yourself, you'll get depressed. But if you focus on Jesus, you can't help but be impressed. We need to change what we're focused on. So praise. Thankfulness. Now, 
I, I've said it before and I had to correct myself, not in this church, but in the past I've said, and the Bible says, in all things give thanks, not for all things. And then you read Ephesians 20, 520, it says, giving thanks, what? For all things. Has anybody ever heard that? It's in all things, not for all things? Well, you didn't read Ephesians 520, neither did I. So what, what that means is, if God is leading your footsteps, and you're walking in the light, and you are light, even when bad things happen to you, the light will shine upon it, and God will make it right one day. So, let's say the worst case scenario is something horrific happens to you, God forbid. How can you give thanks for that? Well, you can give thanks because you know God's eventually going to turn your darkness into light. You can give thanks because you know weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You can give thanks because this world may beat you down, but God's going to pick you up. You can give thanks because the whole world may be against you, but if God is for you, who can be against you? So Paul says, you can give thanks, not just in all things, but for all things. And that's an ouch and an amen, but it's true. And that's why I love verse-by-verse teaching. I get it because... You know, if I'm, te- I'm going to skip over this verse if I'm not doing verse because that's a hard verse to preach, but it's so true. In verse 21, it says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So here's the thing about it. If, if I understand, you notice it says in the fear of God. If I understand the highest authority and I can yield to him, I won't have any problem yielding to lesser authorities. I'll say that again. If I can yield to the highest authority, I have no problem yielding to the lesser authorities. The problem we have with submission, whether it be to the government or whether it be relationships or our boss, is actually an authority issue with God. If we don't submit our heart to him, we're not going to submit to anybody else. So if you have a submission problem in any, any area of life, you've got to check up and say, have I bowed the knee and am I still bowing the knee to Jesus? Because if I can submit to his authority, I have no problem submitting to other people's authority. Amen and ouch. So, what would happen, just as a closing thought, if your life was more joyful, thankful, and submissive? What would happen if, if instead of being negative and critical and just always downing every time, what would happen if you were singing praise and you were talking about how good God is? Wouldn't your atmosphere change? Have you ever been around people that when you see them coming in the grocery store, you walk this other way because you know it's going to be negative? You know it's going to be critical. What would happen if, if you're light, if people started running towards you? Because you were always thankful. You were always joyful. Instead of seeing the worst in people, you saw the best in people. Instead of tearing people down, you built people up. Wouldn't that be a divine exchange? So I, if I see you avoiding me in the grocery store, we've got to talk. <laughs> All right, your truth to take home. Wise people know how to thrive in this world and in the world to come. We've talked about how to walk in love, how to walk in light, and how to walk in wisdom. So your action step is very simple. Read a chapter of Proverbs a day this week. It is going to teach you about wisdom. And one good thing is, whatever the date is, let's see, today's the 4th. You could read Proverbs 5. Whatever the date is, read that chapter in Proverbs. And this will take you along a journey of wisdom, how to walk in wisdom. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word and your truth. And Father, we ask and pray that we would walk in wisdom. And Father, right now with no one looking around, 
If there be someone, and you don't have to raise your hand, just in your own heart, would say, Father, I haven't really seized the season I'm in. I've always wanted the next thing. And I, I really want to take account of the season I'm in, and I want to seize it. I want to redeem it. I want to live out every opportunity that God has for me in my life. So, Father, just hear the prayers and just say, Jesus, that's my, my prayer. If there be one here today that hasn't received Christ, if you're still in darkness, Jesus says, awake, O sleeper, and Christ will give you light. It's no magical prayer. It's just your heart reaching out to God right where you're sit- sitting to say, Jesus, I need light and I need life. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again from my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Father, thank you for hearing our thoughts and our prayers. We love you and we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Well, this time we're going to take up an offering. But before we do that, I just want to encourage you guys that God has great plans for you. He's got plans that are beyond your understanding. And just know that if you walk in wisdom, he's going to be here for you. And he's going to be here with you. So this time I ask your ushers to come down and we're going to pray. And we're going to sing a hymn together. And if God spoke to you about anything in the message, I'll be available after the service to pray with you. So if you would, please pray with me. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given us in your word. Help us to walk in wisdom. We love you. We pray your blessing on our tithes and offerings. And God, as we sing this hymn, Have Thy Own Way, I pray that you would have your own way in our life and our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.